Hi everyone, I'm Dee. And I'm Alex. And together we're DNA. And you're listening to the DNA of Mindful Relationships podcast. Do you use up all of your energy in meeting your partner's needs? Do you feel trapped in your relationship? Are you the one that is constantly making sacrifices? Then you just may be in a codependent relationship. Hmm, codependence, eh? Well, let's explore that in this episode titled, Am I Codependent? So you may have heard of this term, codependency, and it's, it's a psychological term, but it often gets thrown around in conversations that, oh, they're codependent or that person is codependent. I thought that this might be a good opportunity for us to discuss what it is and break it down a little. Cool. Well, I'm in software development, so I'm code-dependent, but (laughs) I'm guessing this is not that. Not really about codes, but it is about dependency versus independency. But let's define what it is first. So codependency is a behavioural condition in a relationship where one person enables another person's addiction, poor mental health, immaturity, irresponsibility or underachievement. And one of the main characteristics of codependency is an excessive reliance on another person for approval or their sense of identity. So it that person becomes very reliant on the person that's quite dysfunctional for their own sense of identity. Okay, so who does this affect? And we'll go into some actual examples. It affects a partner or a spouse. A parent could be in a codependent relationship. A sibling, friends, co-workers of a person afflicted with alcohol or drug dependence. Now, originally this term was used to describe a partner who has a chemical dependence, um, drugs, alcohol, those sort of um, addictions. But lately it's become more widely used um, and, you know, psychologists are seeing this in general relationships where there is quite a a marked dysfunction within the, the relationship and an interesting dynamic where one person is quite dysfunctional but the other person enables that dysfunction without knowing that they're doing that because the intention is to support their partner or their self-esteem is so low that they don't know what else to do. So what sorts of dysfunctions are we talking about here? Okay, so where there's we're talking about an addiction. So any form of addiction, whether it's drugs, alcohol, could be food, addiction it could be um, an addiction to gaming you know that's more of a modern addiction Uh, gambling is another one so these are more kind of extremes and obviously um, if there's an existence of physical emotional sexual abuse and the partner is the other partner that's on the receiving end of that enables that behavior um, due to their low self-esteem and due to their, you know, the only sense of control they have is to go along with that behaviour because so they don't it, know anything else. Is is the enabler conscious or unconscious of this enablement? 
mostly not aware, Mm. mostly. And even if there is a little bit of awareness and understanding, not knowing how to pull themselves out of that dynamic is the trap that keeps them stuck in that dynamic. Now, there there are some cases where the enabler thinks that they're really, really doing their best to help that dysfunctional person in the family to um, get them out of their dysfunction. But what it does, it actually makes it worse. I'll give an example. You can imagine, and you've probably heard stories um, similar to this. So a, a mother who has a son in his 30s, single mother, let's say. He has, she has a son in his 30s. He's lost his job. He's living at home with mum. He's quite depressed. He barely leaves his room. Uh, mum organises everything for him, does all his washing for him, uh, brings food to his room. In fact, there's a fridge in his room. And I don't know if, if, you know, you probably hear these sort of stories, but so who is the perpetrator and who is the victim in this scenario? And that's because the answer to that is unknown. They're both dysfunctional in their own way. And one is not doing it to the other, so it becomes codependent. They rely on each other to keep this dynamic going. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. So they're, yeah. So they're both victims and both perpetrators at the same time. Correct. Yes. So the mother that keeps bringing food to their child, um, who who provides a whole scenario, an environment around which that. 30-something adult, even though, you know, he's her child, uh, enables him to stay depressed, stay isolated, unmotivated and um, continue a lifestyle that's not very functional for him. It also provides a job for that parent to look after him full time. But This is where it gets tricky because she, the parent, I'm saying a mother in this case, but um, the parent may not be aware of how debilitating that is, her actions to look after him, provide everything for him, how debilitating that is for the son and might be thinking, if I don't do this, he could get so severely depressed that he could become suicidal. So that perpetuates that dynamic. Mm, yeah, that can that can obviously become quite dangerous. Um, I can understand that it's dysfunctional, but I guess at the most extreme, it could present itself as something like a Munchausen by proxy, where you're trying to create a relevance for yourself as the protector or carer when there wasn't necessarily a need to do so. But mm. then the the victim would become dependent on that carer to look after them. That's right. So then they develop a codependent relationship. Mm. It turns into that. And it might not start off that way. Yeah. Yeah. So the other um, element of um, a codependent relationship is the presence of a family member suffering from a chronic mental illness or a physical illness as well. And there's another form that is kind of a bit more subtle when you think about some teenagers and their relationship with their parents where it doesn't seem as extreme but they might be out of control teenagers so it's where um, a family member in this case the teenager is behaving in a highly irresponsible way and is almost allowed to get away with murder 
and you know we've we've probably all know some teenagers and some families where you know the parents seem to um allow this behavior to continue or not know how to put a stop to it Mm. so i can understand um that for in that scenario the parent you know they may be thinking that they're doing the right thing for their child but really what they're doing is almost being self-serving and finding a way to service their need yeah and their need may be um about feeling highly highly anxious that something um they do or don't do to help their child may make their child um do something extreme like um, attempt suicide or leave home for good. So there's, they're driven by that anxiety that something bad will happen. So often they will hold back on some of the disciplinary measures, I guess, to ensure that um, their child is safe, but only safe from their perspective, not, not in a real way. And this is why a lot of f- families in this dynamic can only pull away from that dynamic with some support. Um, from an external professional or an intervention or some form of intervention Mm. and often that happens with schools as well Well, schools will notice that behavior and then um, because schools don't tolerate that kind of behavior maybe like some families would because they're in that codependent situation and they might insist that the family gets some help i can only imagine that with the removal of that dynamic in that relationship would create an enormous amount of angst? It would initially. And this is where um, another example, I mentioned gaming to you earlier. Now, this is something a lot of parents um, have probably experienced with their um, children. And I, I'm going to say young boys around the 14, 15, 16 you know, year age group, um, when parents are actually so frustrated that their child won't get off the gaming device and they'll go up to the monitor and turn the device off or turn the TV off. What do you think happens next? Well, I can only imagine that there's a huge tantrum and big arguments. Yeah, there's an explosion. And so that explosion is so frightening for for parents and, you know, there might be – like a when talking about a 16 year old having a big tantrum <laughs> um they're like young men you know and um that may prevent that parent from ever doing that again and so they feel like there's no recourse there's no other way to manage that addiction or that that kind of behavior with gaming so in that scenario are they really enabling it or they they've attempted a solution but they've just backed away because of the consequences of it well both that's how enabling often starts they've tried something to fix it it hasn't worked and then they give in to the dynamic that is the dysfunctional because it's easier it keeps the peace Mm. and this is the other aspect of codependent dysfunctional families if you like is that um, families don't really acknowledge that the, the problem exists and so it can go on for years and years before there's any genuine acknowledgement. They don't really talk about um, the issue and they don't confront the person directly. 
Um, and as a result, family members learn to express or, or repress, sorry, repress those emotions in regard to that situation. So it may be seen as a hot topic or a hot potato. They don't want to touch that topic. So it may be, you know, that there's drug use or it may be that there's, you know, an addiction and over-reliance on gaming for that young person and they don't bring up the topic and they don't, you know, address it. This might happen also in dating. When you're dating someone and you're getting to know them and you notice that they love a drink, you know, they're a bit partial to a drink and you might... Just put it aside as, um, yeah, they like they enjoy drinking and now and again they let their hair down and it's not too bad. And then as you get to know the person, you might notice that it's actually more than that. But the fear of bringing it up to create a bit of a um, bit of conflict or even rocking the boat of that relationship, that fear prevents them from from addressing it, and so they end up going with the flow and enabling it. Mm. So sometimes it's a conscious enablement and sometimes it's a lack of disabling. Yes. That, yeah, you could say that. That's an mm. interesting way to look at it. Um, and what they do is develop uh, behaviours that help them to deny, ignore or even avoid the conflict and avoid talking about the feelings. So sometimes it's not even the actions it's the feelings that come with those actions so the feelings when your partner's coming home and they go straight to the fridge get get the bottle out and start drinking and the feeling it leaves you with as the enabler who's actually purchased those drinks perhaps I don't know um, knowing that if he doesn't get those drinks he might get really really angry and frustrated and take it out on you so What's the difference between codependence and being in a relationship with someone where you, I guess, depend on each other to some degree? What, what, what yeah. makes it a negative? So that's, a, that's another really good question, Alex. <laughs> he always comes up with some good ones. So there's three areas. Let's look at depend. A healthy dependence is where... You do things for each other because it's in the other's best interest. So an example might be, let me have a think, trying to think of a a solid example. So, okay, so the difference just while you're thinking of that is that whereas you could have two people who are codependent, they think they're doing the best for someone else, but they're really self-serving, whereas what you're saying is a healthy dependence on each other is where you are genuinely doing it in the other person's best interest. And in an objective world, it is actually in the other person's best interest. Correct. That's a really good description of it. And an example I can think of, but maybe with us, is that um, I've been wanting us to go on a bit of a health kick for quite some time. And part of it is to lose weight, but mostly about being healthy and, you know, being happy with our, um, our physical health. And a healthy dependency uh, would look like uh, me, when I go shopping, not buying the things that 
I know you're quite tempted with and um, not buying the things that I'm really tempted with so I can help you and you can help me to um, pursue our goal of eating healthier and you know losing a bit of weight in the meantime. So that that's a healthy dependency where we rely on each other. Um, I don't buy things and then kind of um, sneak them you know, in the cupboard or hide them in the cupboard and then maybe even place things in front of you that sabotages your goal to lose weight. So that's where, I don't, I don't know if I explained that one very well. <laughs> yeah, well, you're going genuinely trying to do the best thing for both of us. Yes. Um, now, I guess if it was not authentic in your... Um, what you were doing then it may be that you would purchase something that might be something that i might enjoy that you could partake of i don't know <laughs> yeah that's why that one that one maybe isn't as clear cut an example but another dependency another example could be we have a little bit of a it's not a rule but an understanding that if one of us cooks the other washes the dishes and we help each other out that way. So that's a healthy dependency. Um, and, you know, sometimes you might have to go to an important meeting and I'll, you know, wash my own dishes. Thank you very much. But um, it, it, it's healthy and it's exactly what you said. It's done with um, the other person in mind to support the other. But it's also not at the detriment of ourselves. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's a healthy dependency. And you need that. Otherwise, the other extreme is two people that are highly independent and don't rely on each other at all. Um, you might as well just be living a parallel life. So there's virtually no overlap. You're just living completely independently. Yeah. Yeah. And that's really hard to do um, in families because families are interdependent. But as a, as a couple, if, if you're not living together, I can see how that could happen. But at some stage, you've got to be able to rely on the other and you've got to have some dependency. And so where codependency occurs, it's where you described it really well. It, it's, it's really self-serving. It's about what do I need? And even, you know, the parent example I gave, the anxiety or the 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 drive to help their child, um, even though they're in their 30s, they're depressed, they're sitting in their room, they're not doing anything, they're not getting help, the drive comes from a need to manage that parent's own anxiety. Because if you had an independent person looking at that situation, um, and that's what a counsellor or therapist really is, they would look at it and say, you're actually... um, destroying this person's life and i know that sounds dramatic but yeah well you hear about you know the the whole empty nest syndrome you know that uh, as as parents you raise your children to become independent adults Uh, but i guess for some parents that might be difficult actually letting go and so they may enable that behavior where the children stay longer than they really should have just purely for their own Needs. Yes. Now, they may not be aware that they're doing it for their own needs and often will say, oh, you know, they can't cope out there in the real world. They need a bit of extra support. They need to save some money. So there could be a whole list. But deep down, it could be more about 
the parents' needs, as you said. Yeah. So um, codependents have – I just want to go over a few more um, qualities of, of a codependent person. Um, and they have low self-esteem and they look for anything outside of themselves to make them feel better. Um, they find it hard to be themselves and some try to feel better through alcohol, drugs, smoking and become addicted. Others may develop compulsive behaviours like um, workaho- workaholism, um, working overtime, gambling or maybe even, you know, kind of um, indiscriminate sexual activity. So he- here's the difficult thing that a lot of codependent people have good intentions initially, like we said. So that's why it's hard to pick up on because they feel like they're helping and caring for the other. Um, but the caretaking becomes compulsive and self-defeating. And they often have that martyr role um, and they become benefactors. So they do benefit from that interaction. So a wife could cover up for an alcoholic husband. A mother could make excuses for a truant child um, and make up lies on behalf of that child. Or a father may pull some strings to keep their child from suffering the consequences of delinquent behaviour. So pull some strings to get them out of, uh, you know, jail time or, or whatever. So this is – all of these are rescuing attempts and um, – but they continue to be a destructive thing to do for the other person. They don't help the cause at all. So I'm, I'm guessing, uh, you know, from – as an outsider looking in, you may be able to detect – whether something is a codependent relationship. I guess if you're inside that relationship and one of the participants, it may or may not be easy to detect whether you are one of these participants. Mm. So how would someone, D, who might think they're part of this um, dynamic, be able to, first of all, assess whether that is the case and then extricate themselves from it? Well, ultimately, because it is dysfunctional, uh, after a period of time and, and, you know, it can vary in all situations, it could be years in some cases, but after a period of time, um, both parties will feel unhappy. There'll be an unhappiness, an uneasiness, a discomfort because... The dynamic that's been created is not a healthy one. So at some stage, a a person needs to look at their own feelings and emotions, and which is not easy because often the codependency, codependency is created because of childhood trauma. And often comes from how you know a, a person was treated in growing up in their families. And treatment will involve and once the awareness happens but treatment will involve seeing a professional a counselor or a psychotherapist to really look at the feelings and look at where those emotions of emptiness and low self-esteem and their sense of identity or lack of identity where that all comes from i'm sensing 
that this is somehow ties back to uh, a previous episode that we did in season one about attachment theory. Yes. That in some way this is connected to that unresolved feelings of, um, you know, someone who might be very um, needy, I guess needing, needing something that's unfulfilled, is using this dynamic under the guise of a genuine and authentic uh, reason to achieve that. That's exactly what it is because um, if you remember the anxious attachment style that we talked about, there's a, a neediness and a clinginess and it's almost like I need to keep that person with me at all costs. And the cost is often very high because the cost could be to your time, to your happiness. The cost could be, um, you know, if there's physical abuse involved, to your physical safety and emotional safety. So, but the attachment and the anxiety around the attachment is so high that they would rather be in that codependent situation than not. Mm. There you go, you see, I so was listening. Right. You were listening. Mm. It's nice to know that you listen and you take it in. That's good. So really, I mean, the an intervention is required. It's very hard for people to kind of, unless they hit rock bottom. And, you know, an example might be um, a couple in a codependent relationship. He's an alcoholic. Um, she's you know, enables that situation but is very, very unhappy. There might be some physical abuse and all of a sudden she wakes up and says, I can't do this anymore and leaves. But then she's got to really rebuild herself almost from the inside out so that that dynamic isn't created with, with somebody else again. And there are situations where people create these dynamics over and over and over again, sadly because it doesn't bring much joy. Mm. Interesting. So really, I mean, the, the hope is in self-awareness and understanding your motivations and why you're doing something and your feelings in relation to that. Um, and that's really the key to be able to explore that. And if you can do that on your own, great. If you need some help, even better because you've got this objective person that can actually look at your situation, whether it's your family or your relationship, and let you know if it's a highly dysfunctional codependent relationship. It takes time to pull away from that. But that is the start of the process. That's the first step. Mm, it sounds like you really need to uh, examine your situation and identify, is there something about it that's not bringing you joy? You know, if you feel bad about being in that situation, if you're that 30-year-old who's under your mother's roof, maybe you're under her thumb, mm. maybe you would have some sense of resentment about that situation and that even though there's a level of comfort of being in that situation, that might be enough to alert you to the fact that maybe it's not as ideal as it's made out to be. That's, that's right. And it never is ideal and it's never really that positive. Um, people live in these situations for a long, long time before they kind of wake up to themselves. And, um, you know, maybe rather than seeing it as um, something 
that they stuffed up or they didn't know or they didn't, you know, they weren't smart enough. It's more about learning from this situation and growing from it. So that this is this is a um, kind of like a warning sign. So you're aware of not to create that in your life again in another dynamic with another person. Mm. And I think it's also important if you're going to actually try and extricate yourself from the situation that how you might raise this with that other person, uh, you know, they may gaslight you on it and go, I don't know what you're talking about. I'm Mm. not keeping you here against your will. It's up to you. Um, So I think understanding how to get yourself out of that situation is equally as important. Yeah, it is. And, um, you know, one step at a time. It takes time and it takes um, perseverance to get there. But, um, you know, ultimately it will create more joy in your connections with people um, and it will create uh, a more fulfilling life because imagine doing something over and over and over again that you're not even aware that you're doing and that you find out how dysfunctional it was later. So, um, you know, these are things that we don't really talk about in normal circles but it's good to be aware of because you can look at your relationships in your life and just ask, am I codependent? Excellent. All right. Well, I think hopefully we've answered that question. I'm still not sure. I don't think we're codependent. No, I think we have a healthy dependency and I have a healthy independency. Yeah, and I think that's the <laughs> When best I want to do to my do. own thing. <laughs> yeah, that's it. I think you've got to have independence and a little bit of healthy codependence. All right. Well, that's it for this episode. We hope you've enjoyed that. I found it most illuminating. And I'm not just saying that because you want me to in, in our codependent relationship. Um, <laughs> so until next time, it's goodbye from D and goodbye from A. Stay mindful. We'll catch you next time. Bye. If you like this episode, then please consider subscribing to find out whenever a new episode drops. You can do that on Apple Podcasts, that's a little purple button on your iPhone, iTunes or Stitcher. You can of course go to our website at www.thednaofmindfulrelationships.com or our Facebook page where you can like us and share our show with your friends. Send us an email to info at the DNA of mindful relationships.com and ask us questions or give us feedback or maybe suggest some ideas for some upcoming shows. We look forward to catching you next time and until then, stay mindful. <laughs>